section thirty seven of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine continued william blake seventeen fifty seven eighteen twenty seven piping down the valleys wild piping songs of pleasant glee on a cloud i saw a child and he laughing said to me pipe a song about a lamb so i piped with merry cheer piper pipe that song again so i piped he wept to hear piper sit thee down and write in a book that all may read so he vanished from my sight and i plucked a hollow reed and i made a rural pin and i stained the water clear and i wrote my happy songs every child made joy to hear note introduction songs of innocence End of note of all the romantic poets of the eighteenth century blake is the most independent and the most original in his earliest work written when he was scarcely more than a child he seems to go back to the elizabethan songwriters for his models but for the greater part of his life he was the poet of inspiration alone following no man's lead and obeying no voice but that which he heard in his own mystic soul though the most extraordinary literary genius of his age he had practically no influence upon it indeed we hardly yet understand this poet of pure fancy this mystic this transcendental madman who remained to the end of his busy life an incomprehensible child life blake the son of a london tradesman was a strange imaginative child whose soul was more at home with brooks and flowers and fairies than with the crowd of the city streets beyond learning to read and write he received education but he began at ten years to copy prints and to write verses he also began a long course of art study which resulted in his publishing his own books adorned with marginal engravings colored by hand an unusual setting worthy of the strong artistic sense that shows itself in many of his early verses as a child he had visions of god and the angels looking in at his window and as a man he thought he received visits from the souls of the great dead moses virgil homer dante milton majestic shadows gray but luminous he calls them he seems never to have asked himself the question how far these visions were pure illusions but believed and trusted them implicitly to him all nature was a vast spiritual symbolism wherein he saw elves fairies devils angels all looking at him in friendship or enmity through the eyes of flowers and stars with the blue sky spread over with wings and the mild sun that mounts and sings with trees and fields full of fairy elves and little devils who fight for themselves with angels planted in hawthorn bowers and god himself in the passing hours and this curious pantheistic conception of nature was not a matter of creed but the very essence of blake's life 
strangely enough he made no attempt to found a new religious cult but followed his own way singing cheerfully working patiently in the face of discouragement and failure that writers of far less genius were exalted to favor while he remained poor and obscure does not seem to have troubled him in the least for over forty years he labored diligently at book engraving guided in his art by michelangelo but inventing his own curious designs at which we still wonder the illustrations for young's night thoughts for blair's grave and the inventions to the book of job show the peculiarity of blake's mind quite as clearly as his poems while he worked at his trade he flung off for he never seemed to compose disjointed visions and incomprehensible rhapsodies with an occasional little gem that still sets our hearts to singing ah sunflower weary of time who countest the steps of the sun seeking after that sweet golden clime where the traveller's journey is done where the youth pined away with desire and the pale virgin shrouded in snow rise from their graves and aspire where my sunflower wishes to go that is a curious flower to find growing in the london street but it suggests blake's own life which was outwardly busy and quiet but inwardly full of adventure and excitement his last huge prophetic works like jerusalem and milton eighteen o four were dictated to him he declares by supernatural means and even against his own will they are only half intelligible but here and there one sees flashes of the same poetic beauty that marks his little poems critics generally dismiss blake with the word madman but that is only an evasion at best he is the writer of exquisite lyrics at worst he is mad only north northwest like hamlet and the puzzle is to find the method in his madness the most amazing thing about him is the perfectly sane and cheerful way in which he moved through poverty and obscurity flinging out exquisite poems or senseless rhapsodies as a child might play with gems or straws or sunbeams indifferently he was a gentle kindly most unworldly little man with extraordinary eyes which seem even in the lifeless portraits to reflect some unusual hypnotic power he died obscurely smiling at a vision of paradise in eighteen twenty seven that was nearly a century ago yet he still remains one of the most incomprehensible figures in our literature works of blake the poetical sketches published in seventeen eighty three is a collection of blake's earliest poetry much of it written in boyhood it contains much crude and incoherent work but also a few lyrics of striking originality two later and better known volumes are songs of innocence and songs of experience reflecting two widely different views of the human soul as in all his works there is an abundance of apparently worthless stuff in these songs but in the language of miners it is all pay-dirt it shows gleams of golden grains that await our sifting and now and then we find a nugget unexpectedly 
my lord was like a flower upon the brows of lusty may ah life as frail as flower my lord was like a star in highest heaven drawn down to earth by spells and wickedness my lord was like the opening eye of day but he is darkened like the summer moon clouded fallen like the stately tree cut down the breath of heaven dwelt among his leaves on account of the chaotic character of most of blake's work it is well to begin our reading with a short book of selections containing the best songs of these three little volumes swinburne calls blake the only poet of supreme and simple poetic genius of the eighteenth century the one man of that age fit on all accounts to rank with the old great masters note swinburne's william blake end of note the praise is doubtless extravagant and the criticism somewhat intemperate but when we have read the evening star memory night love to the muses spring summer the tiger the lamb the clod and the pebble we may possibly share swinburne's enthusiasm certainly in these three volumes we have some of the most perfect and the most original songs in our language of blake's longer poems his titanic prophecies and apocalyptic splendors it is impossible to write justly in such a brief work as this outwardly they suggest a huge chaff pile and the scattered grains of wheat hardly warrant the labor of winnowing the curious reader will get an idea of blake's amazing mysticism by dipping into any of the works of his middle life Urizen gates of paradise marriage of heaven and hell america the french revolution or the vision of the daughters of albion his latest works like jerusalem and milton are too obscure to have any literary value to read any of these works casually is to call the author a madman to study them remembering blake's songs and his genius is to quote softly his own answer to the child who asked about the land of dreams oh what land is the land of dreams what are its mountains and what are its streams oh father i saw my mother there among the lilies by waters fair dear child i also by pleasant streams have wandered all night in the land of dreams but though calm and warm the waters wide i could not get to the other side minor poets of the revival we have chosen the five preceding poets gray goldsmith cowper burns and blake as the most typical and the most interesting of the writers who proclaimed the dawn of romanticism in the eighteenth century with them we associate a group of minor writers whose works were immensely popular in their own day the ordinary reader will pass them by but to the student they are all significant as expressions of very different phases of the romantic revival james thompson seventeen hundred seventeen forty eight thompson belongs among the pioneers of romanticism like gray and goldsmith he wavered between pseudo-classic and the new romantic ideals 
and for this reason if for no other his early work is interesting like the uncertainty of a child who hesitates whether to creep safely on all fours or risk a fall by walking he is worthy to be remembered for three poems rule britannia which is still one of the national songs of england the castle of indolence and the seasons the dreamy and romantic castle seventeen forty eight occupied by enchanter indolence and his willing captives in the land of drowsyhead is purely spenserian in its imagery and is written in the spenserian stanza the seasons seventeen twenty six seventeen thirty written in blank verse describes the sights and sounds of the changing year and the poet's own feelings in the presence of nature these two poems though rather dull to a modern reader were significant of the early romantic revival in three ways they abandoned the prevailing heroic couplet they went back to the elizabethans instead of to pope for their models and they called attention to the long-neglected life of nature as a subject for poetry william collins collins the friend and disciple of thompson was of a delicate nervous temperament like cowper and over him also brooded the awful shadow of insanity his first work oriental eclogues seventeen forty two is romantic in feeling but is written in the prevailing mechanical couplets all his later work is romantic in both thought and expression his ode on the popular superstitions of the highlands seventeen fifty is an interesting event in the romantic revival for it introduced a new world of witches pygmies fairies and medieval kings for the imagination to play in collins best-known poems are the odes to simplicity to fear to the passions the little unnamed lyric beginning how sleep the brave and the exquisite ode to evening in reading the latter one is scarcely aware that the lines are so delicately balanced that they have no need of rhyme to accentuate their melody End of section thirty seven